everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Today's episode, we are talking about Popper, which was selected as a topic by one of our patrons. If you wish to become a patron of Magic with Zuby and pick a topic to discuss, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. To help Zuby talk about Popper, he brought on Mike and Adrian from the awesome Popper podcast, Color Commentary. Before we begin, let's get some ads out of the way. This episode is featured on LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com not only has really well-written articles, but also offers free shipping on all orders over $2 or more. Ever get tired of going to other sites and just have to buy some cheap singles and shipping costs more than what you're buying? No more. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Data Assist. Makers of Rollback RS. You ever wish you could take a PC back in time or restore to a pristine state? Rollback RS not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Data Assist doesn't tend to discount their product often, as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars on recovering your PC. But for listeners of Magic with Zuby, they've provided us with an exclusive discount. Visit https colon slash slash g-o-o dot g-l slash capital d-i capital b-v-a capital f for 25% off rollback rx. The Magic with Zuby podcast can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, MTGcast.com. If you wish to email Magic with Zuby with any questions, you can email me at mtgzuby at gmail.com. Magic with Zuby is also found on Facebook at facebook.com slash Magic with Zuby, as well as Twitter at Magic with Zuby. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Magic with Zuby YouTube channel. Just search for Magic with Zuby on YouTube. Also, be sure to subscribe and review and rate and review and all that other good stuff. Magic Azubi on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And don't forget about the Patreon we mentioned earlier as well. Also, I am starting a new little thing that I want to be able to engage you guys a little bit more. So I'm going to be starting some questions of the week, and then I'll start with this first one. And then if I get any response, I will read the answers of the people who answered it. Uh, either send me an email or reply to me on Twitter or anything. So the first question of the week is what got you into magic, the gathering, and you can send those responses via email, um, Twitter, DMS, um, YouTube, anywhere you want, any, anywhere you hear this, try to send me a response and I will read your responses on the air. Uh, so without further ado, let's get on with the interview. All right, I am here with Mike and Adrian of the Popper Podcast Color Commentary, and I brought them on here to help discuss Popper today, uh, which was one of one of my patrons wanted me to discuss, and I figure why not get you know people who actually know what the format is besides me rambling on about it. And if you'd like to introduce yourselves, Mike and Adrian, go right ahead. Well, well. First, let me say it's a, it's a good thing you had someone on because there's nothing that people in the popper community seem to hate more than people just talking about stuff. But uh, I'm Mike. Um, I'm the guy who does the intros and talks on color commentary. Um, I live in Boston. I play 
a variety of formats, but it's mostly Popper. Um, I'm in a city now where I don't have access to like a Popper FNM, so I draft. Um, I'm a big cube guy. Uh, I enjoy Legacy. And I guess that's pretty much all I need for an intro, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. And uh, I'm Adrian. I live in Austin. I'm the uh, other half of color commentary. I always go second. <laughs> and um, uh, my agent's going to want to make sure I get billed properly for this. You know, it's kind of a big deal in the community. So <laughs> don't worry, I'll I'll send you the invoice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess let's start off with uh, the first question. Really simple one here for people who are not aware of what Popper is. What is it? Um, it's well, all commons. It's a, yeah, it's an all common format with a small curated ban list uh, that unfortunately does not have a lot of widespread support from wizards. Uh, you know, there's no full on paper list, but we are a step ahead of frontier because we do have, uh, our own tournaments in on moto. Yeah, we, we, we do actually have a Mitgo filter for popper, which is nice. Um, it's mainly online. There are a couple of small communities across the world. Um, I know, for example, uh, I believe in Madrid, um, somewhere in, in southern Italy, um, where, oh, uh, Tuscany, um, and a couple of spots in the U.S. Uh, also, have, uh, Argentina. Big oh, yeah. Argentina, there's a decent contingent from Brazil, but it's a lot of like very scattered, smaller communities. That are actually playing it on paper? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, our, our biggest problem is <laughs> uh, that, it, and it's actually come up in Legacy now, which is interesting, is that there is a disparity between what you can play at common on Moto and what you can play as a common in paper. Uh, for instance, Red Elemental Blast is not a common on Moto and is therefore not in the format, uh, which is why Pyroblasts are like 10 tickets or something, you know? Yeah, and, and then there's the reverse problem of some people, you know, uh, the big big example that springs to mind, uh, Chainer's Edict, um, was only ever printed in paper as an uncommon in uh, Torment, um, and then as a promo and a, from the vault card. But um, that that one never got a paper printing. And in on Midgo, I believe it's in Vintage Masters. I want to say that it got yeah. shifted. Um, so so there's there's there is this disparity, and there's a lot of discussions about like how do we reconcile these things? Um, and there's also like uh, paper only sets, for example, the commons from conspiracy and conspiracy take the crown never made it onto Mitgo, despite not really being problematic. Um, I think the the only really important one is uh oh god, what is that card called? Uh, Ash Barons. Oh no, Ash Barons made it on there. Yeah. Um, Custody Squire. Custody Squire was one of the ones that people keep clamoring for, but they've never released it. So there's this big issue of you know. Depending on where you play, if you're playing in paper, it could have a completely different card pool. Right. And so these, those are the, the problems with the format. The good things about the format and the reason that you, Zuby, and you, the listener, should play Popper is it almost has all of Magic's uh, biggest pillars represented. You know, there's mid-range, there's control, there's aggro. Really, the one thing we're missing is a really good combo deck. And it's because just the way that combo decks get structured... Um, most of the answers to them you find more, mostly uncommon and rare. And so the format has had a couple of different instances where combo decks are just, you know, just the best deck in the format. And so um, they've all eventually all gotten banned out. So a good combo deck is actually kind of hard to find. But it's 
Randy Bueller said it best. It's magic the way Richard Garfield intended, but without the normal snark that accompanies that comment. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to play on a budget, and uh, you can probably find something you like. Yeah, when I've looked at some popper list, because I've played maybe three games of popper a total, and um, the my favorite deck that I probably played was uh, it was is it, but it was sort of like a um, it had Delver in it. It had um, Nivik Cyclops. Yes. Yeah. And the, Kiln the, Fiend. Yeah. The 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 all in Blitz deck. Yes. And yes. A, in in modern, you might compare that to the uh, Death Shadows you aggro list. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so one of the big things as Adrian mentioned is like cost of the format. Um and I, this is always like the fun fact I like to tote out when people uh when people talk about the cost of popper is you could literally buy a playset of the entire format for the cost of like some of the t- tier 1 modern decks. Um, like I, I believe last time I checked, Jund was actually as a deck in modern more expensive than Popper as a format. I, I've seen the I've seen the, the spreadsheet. It's wow. True. <laughs> yeah, dang. And, and 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 there's certain like weirdly expensive things like Chainer's Edict is five bucks in paper. Um, because of a buyout, and there's certain cards, but like by and large, most of the expensive cards are ones that you you can run in multiple decks anyway. So. It kind of works out well. Okay. And so what, um, why isn't Popper played more on paper from, especially when I'm here, especially here in the United States? Why do you think that is? Um, I, sorry, go ahead. So, so my, my big reason has always been the fact that I think people have a misconception about like the power level that common represents. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles it has to get over because, you know, people, when people think commons, they think commons from today's level of design where they are very simplistic and easy to understand and generally a lower power level. And people forget that, like, we're the only format besides what? Besides Commander that lets you play Gush. Vintage. Um, you play that. Oh, oh yeah. Vintage. You yeah, play vintage. one. But like, like we get to play with cards that are restricted in other formats. Um, for example, so brainstorm all all the blue ca- cantrips at common, um, original counterspell, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Uh, we don't have any good white removal, but by and large, like a lot of very powerful effects have just been printed at common over the years. And I feel like personally, that's one of the biggest misconceptions that kind of keeps people away from it is that it's a low power level. Right. I completely agree with that. Um, I think it la- some people think it lacks the flash. Some of the other formats, uh, one of the biggest things missing is there are, of course, no common planeswalkers. Um, and I don't even know how you would go about designing a card like that, to be quite honest with you. Uh, well, but yeah, well, so it, uh, on that note, I actually have no idea how to play against planeswalkers because I left Magic before they were introduced and I came back and started playing Popper. So I just, every time, yeah, every, every time I see one in Limited, I'm just like, hmm, that's, that sure is neat. And then I probably <laughs> punt the game completely. Yeah, they're they're they can be not fun to play against a lot of times, uh, depending think, on which one it is. I think another big thing, um, and this is honestly why I'm a little surprised to see Frontier doing so well here in Austin, is Wizards basically has to say, okay, we're going to pay out for this format, or like we're going to support this format on some level for it to really take off. I mean, if you look at 
another fan made format like a tiny leaders um you know no support for it format sort of dried up commander on the other hand has yearly products made for it and originally it's sort of, it's sort of like the success fan format and yeah. uh, you know now people play it all over the all over the world so yeah it's what do you think wizards can do to try to push popper even more the first thing would be to reconcile the online and offline ban lists in my opinion which sadly is something that I'm pretty sure someone asked Matt Tabak and he said that it was so low of a priority it'll probably never happen. But um, the the other thing I think is um, you you mentioned Frontier and one of the big things that people have said is a changing point for Frontier as a format in America was the fact that um, who is it? Uh, Channel Fireball is including Frontier side events at their GPS. Right. Yeah, someone and, picks it up. Yeah, I, I think I think the fact that like whether Wizards supports it sometimes isn't as important as whether you can play it in a tournament setting, which you feel is like somewhat professional. Because like F and M is one thing, going to a GP and being like, oh man, I'm gonna go into the side event and I don't know, there's like a booster box up for grabs for first. Like I think that definitely gets people in the door. And the other thing is like the price of admission for this format is so so low. Where, like, if you can just convince someone to get into it and, you know, they enjoy slightly, slightly grindy m- magic, you know, it's just kind of a slam dunk. Now, I-, I will say on the other side of the coin here, speaking more to Mike's price point, there is no lack of popper content creators simply because the decks are so cheap. It's really easy to be a popper content producer. You know, like you could, like you said, spend... uh equivalent of a gen deck and have the entire format at your fingertips and in fact i have done that on moto uh, <laughs> because i'm a content creator um so it, it's not that there are people making content and there aren't people playing it i just think that yeah someone like channel fireball hasn't given it their blessing and why do you think that is is it just because as maybe you mentioned before that when people think of just a common only format they kind of look at it you know like ugh, like in disgust or something like that um, or it's not as flashy as you mentioned. Yeah, I, Sorry, I, th- I think that's part of it. I think another part is like personally, like I, since I used to live in Austin, one of the big things that helped Popper take off was our local game store. Pat's has like this absurd backlog of singles. <clears throat> like they have pretty much anything you could ever want, and it made it so that people, newer players, who are like, "Oh, Popper's tonight. I wonder like what decks are good." They can say, you know. Go to MTG Goldfish. We probably have everything you need. You can spend 50 bucks, have a deck, and it'll be legal pretty much forever. So I think, I think someone like Channel Fireball could do that because they do have, you know, a fairly large stock of cards from back in the day. And I, I don't know what's stopping them because I know that, I know that LSV has actually talked about it on GP streams that were done by Channel Fireball. And he definitely, he featured it, I think, as a poll on Twitter at one point. Like, would you, would you go to a, a popper only GP? And there was a surprising amount of support for it. Yeah. But, this was like earlier last year. There was what looked like was going to be this huge renaissance in popper because Cheon was getting in on it and LSV was getting in on it and Jacob Wilson got in on it. And it looked like Channel Firewall was poised to have all the support for popper. And then it just sort of uh, never materialized. Hmm. And that's, uh, it's a little bit sad to hear because, um, like I said, it seems one of the best things that I've seen about it is it's very affordable, as you mentioned, online and even in paper. Right. And you'd think that would get more people interested in it, but I don't know. Maybe because it just doesn't, like, 
like I keep saying, does it have the flashy rares or planeswalkers or anything? Well, there's right. there's another couple of effects that it's missing, right? Like there there's no common wrath. There are effects approaching a wrath, but there's no like real firm like destroy all creatures effect. And so oh, okay. so it does kind of like contort decks into playing some weird options. It's also the only format that is rarity based and not like time based. You know, like Legacy is all cards at the ban list. Vintage is all cards. Modern is all the you know, you know what I'm saying? It's the only one that is like you can only play this one rarity level. That's true. Isn't there um another for I mean we don't have to get too into it, but isn't there another format called like peasant or something that includes uncommons? Oh yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Sorry, so, Mike. So 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 peasant is even less <clears throat> supported. Like you can't really play it on <laughs> Mitgo. Um you play it in France. You can play it in France or Germany, and that's pretty much it. And they are very passionate about it. And I believe their their setup is sixty card decks, fifteen card sideboards, all commons, but you get five uncommons split across main deck and board. And you should, you should look it up sometimes, maybe. It's actually like some of the decks you're like it, it's weird. Wow. It, it's a very strange format because you have a format where like Demonic bet- Tutor is legal yeah. and Delver is not. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> they, 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 they banned Delver. Demonic Tutor is an uncommon. Yeah. Um. But so they, is so is Aether Vial. So for a while, people were playing Aether Vial Slivers. Um, oh, jeez. Force of Will is banned, which stops things from being too absurd. Um. And I I used to be in contact with a bunch of the people over in France and uh, played with them, and we'd we'd play on a cockatrice, the uh. The, the unmentionable Mitgo clone that Wizards doesn't care for. Um, or X-Mage. No one really <laughs> used X-Mage for it, and I don't know why that was. I think it might have just been the fact that they were all fans of Cockatrice, but I don't know. It's a very weird format, and like you can play Counterbalance and Sensei's Divining Top if you want to. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, that... It's weird. And so... um. You mentioned I didn't even really realize that there was a big disparity between paper and online when you said the conspiracy commons are not even on there. How how does that really affect? I mean, you mentioned before that affects, I guess it's a a case by case basis if you're going to like a paper event, if they include the conspiracy cards or not. Yeah, it's largely left up to the game store. However, um, and I'm not affiliated with these folks at all. Uh, Card Kingdom is basically the biggest popper uh, tournament organizer in the U.S. They have this huge tournament. Uh, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's once a year called. Uh, no, no, they have, they have put it like I think every once every like two three months now. Okay, and by huge I mean seventy people, so not huge, but huge for popper. And it is a um a popper, you know, like a big popper event, and they are the ones who do that. And so a lot of people use their own ban list. And their restrictions, which include cards like uh, Hidden Torok, Goblin Grenade, uh, High Tide, that are all technically commons in paper but don't exist in the format on Moto. Um, and to further <laughs> complicate things, um, one of the lists that won their most, well, the list that won their most recent tournament featured Desert, which is not playable on Moto. <laughs> Wait, featured Desert? Which one's that? Hold on. Desert is a land that taps for colorless, and it also has tap deal one damage to target creature. Target attacking creature, play this ability only after damage has been dealt. Okay. <laughs> so, so this is oh, my, wow. 
So but that's just highlights the disparity. Like even at the one of the highest, you know, quote unquote highest level popper tournaments in the country, um, they're they're playing a card that you can't even play with on Moto. Yeah. And, and I forgot your original question, but there was a point to me saying all that. I promise. Well, I I think you know the the disparity thing is very real because you know there there's multiple different takes on this. Like because people think that you know, like if you say just the the Moto legality then it's going to be frustrating because someone's going to show up to a tournament with a common that never saw print online. And the, 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 the rule is if it was a supplemental set or before Mirage, you have to go check because a bunch of those weren't released as commons online. And it's like really awkward. It would be, it's really awkward. You know, if a kid shows up with this sweet deck and someone has to go, um, actually like these four cards aren't legal at all. I get such a kick though when I sell it to people cranial plating in their deck. <laughs> That's a banned card. Um, oh, that is banned. Yeah, oh, yeah, cranial plating was the the one that they banned before while the format was still coalescing because uh, artifact lands are legal. Yep. Ooh. Oh my gosh, I did not realize that. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. would make affinity insanely good if that was legal. Yeah, well, it's well, already a fairly good deck. Yeah, and I, I mean, I mean, the the big thing is like in Affinity, you're just kind of dropping like big dumb creatures, and that's what keeps it being fair, right? Like, you know, Mirror Enforcer at the end of the day, it's a it's a four four for zero a lot of the time, but it's just a four four, and you can deal with it. Um, so one thing I want to I want to before we pivot too far is I just want to go down as far down the rabbit hole as we can possibly go here, and that's that there is even a subsection of people who play Popper who believe that there are certain cards out of antiquities that should be considered commons, namely Strip Mine and Mishra's Factory. And this argument is garbage because it, bas- <laughs> it basically relies on the fact that they were printed at an uncommon rarity that showed up just frequently enough that it's between common and uncommon because of the multiple arts on Strip Mine. Right, so so just just history lesson back then that you can't, they didn't have rares, commons, and uncommons like we know them today. They had a rarity like C1 or U3 that showed how many times, of, how, what number of times it would appear on the sheet. But, and correct me here if I'm wrong, Mike, like U1, uncommon 1, or no, U3, uncommon 3, and common 1. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting myself mixed up. I, I think they work out to be about the same rarity. It's it's very strange, yeah. but... The, the yeah. point the point is that these cards appeared almost in the same frequency to the point where some people claim that these uncommons are actually commons. That how how would that change the format if they were considered commons? One of one of the cards in question is Mistra's uh oh god, I always forget this. Mistra's factory. The, the man land. And and that would just break the format wide open. And I've gotten into countless arguments about why that would be awful for the format. We've actually had, I think we had like, not a whole episode, but maybe a good 30, 40 minute chunk dedicated to what if man lands existed in Popper. And it does radically change the format. Like, I think people, that's another mechanic we are missing is that, and people don't really realize how important those are in other formats, but like, Mishra's Factory in a control deck would just be godly for Popper. Well, why is that? And just because uh, I'm not really familiar with why it would be. Well, so, so it kind of requires your opponent to have instant speed removal. Um, because obviously they can't interact with it on their turn most of the time because you're usually not using it as a blocker. And one of the one of the sort of hallmark control decks is a deck that runs Mystical Teachings, and it runs uh, 
God, what is the name of that card? Uh, Even Cars Justice, and, which is yeah. Go ahead. Even Cars Justice is two and two black for a spell that deals two damage to each creature and each player, and it has buyback three. So it has one of the the least fun mechanics for a lot of players, and the idea is you just you know kind of use it to lightly wrath the board every turn, and then get in for two so that you're slightly winning that damage race. Um, also, mystical teachings four mana uh, instant find a uh, instant or a creature with flash and put it into your hand. Uh, flashback black and six five yeah. Uh, five yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it it just kind of, it it would, in my mind, you know, there's a lot of decks that would want to run it, and there's really not much of an opportunity cost. You know, unless you're a deck that has a lot of colored mana symbols in your mana costs, you're really not giving up much to play this colorless land that sometimes just ekes in for two damage. Right. I shouldn't have said godly. I just, I just, I should have said it would be just good enough for every deck to really want to play it without there being any real cost to it. Yeah. So, that's, that's never, that's never good. Skull clamp. Also, the fact that it's not. <laughs> also, the fact that it's an uncounterable creature kind of get like, you know, there's not a whole lot of ways to interact with it and, in the usual avenues. And then you know, strip mine is strip mine. So, yeah, yeah, that's just not fun. No. Um. <clears throat> so that brings me to asking, um, what are some of the, I guess popular decks in popper well let me just let me just open up the glasses let me just open up mtg goldfish um the the format has actually radically shifted recently where there were these decks there are these new decks coming out of the woodwork uh post drake ban that um didn't really weren't really that popular before and for and uh drake was this card that got downshifted in ema peregrine drake uh, five mana, two, three flyer. When it enters the battlefield, untap five up to five lands you control. And it was used in this infinite combo deck where you could uh, ghostly flicker Drake and like Archaeomancer for mnemonic wall and just keep b- bouncing it back to your hand, flickering the Drake. You could generate infinite mana and then you could yeah. uh, burn out your opponent. You, using some sort of X spell. It so, didn't really matter what it was. So that, that, that deck kind of oppressed the format for a little bit. Then it got banned, and now we're seeing actually a wide variety of really fun, really cool decks. Uh, the top one of which I think right now is Marasatron, which is a Tron deck that plays Pulse of Marasa to get back cards like Muldrifter. Yeah, it's just kind of this very grindy value engine. Um, and I've actually been talking a lot with people lately, and I think that Muldrifter might be one of the most important cards for our format because it is just it's just good no matter what you're doing with it um for those not familiar Drifter is a cube all-star uh five five mana four and a blue for a two two elemental with flying when it enters the battlefield you draw two cards but it also has evoke for two and a blue and so you can play it sacrifice it but it still enters the battlefield so you're still getting those two cards so at worst this is divination and at best, it's divination with a two-two body for two mana. So it's Marasatron's really like a grindy value deck that happens to it. The weird thing about it is it doesn't try and get Tron out super quickly. It just kind of plays a control game, and then all of a sudden it has twenty mana available and it capsizes all your lands. Woo! <laughs> um, but, also. Uh- also popular is there's a there's a deck that just hard locks the opponent out of the game using um 
Chittering Rats and Ghostly Flicker. Um, You're talking about all the boring decks, Mike. We, people want to hear about the all. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm going. Wanna... I'm going by metagame share right now. Yeah, I want to hear about Chittering Rats. So, so, so Chittering <laughs> Rats, one and two black for a two-two. When it enters the battlefield, an opponent puts a card from their hand on top of their library, and then you combo this with Ghostly Flicker, which lets you uh, exile two artifacts, creatures, or lands you control, and return them to the battlefield. And the other part of this is Archaeomancer, which is a creature that when it enters the battlefield, you return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. And the idea is once your opponent's empty-handed, you flicker these at the end of their draw step, and they put the card they drew right back on top of their library, and they <laughs> oh, never get to play magic again. People are going to think that our format is literally just ghostly flicker combos, the format. To be fair, it's a very good card. But then, further down, the staple of the format, Mono Blue Delver. Um, it's just a good blue tempo deck. Like Delver Secrets is just good. I don't. Well, like, let's let's let me let me pitch it to Zuby. Zuby, what if I told you there was a deck that you could play that would play four Spellsetter Sprites, four Delvers, four Ponders, four Preordains, two Gushes? Would you play this deck? Almost sounds like I'd be playing something like at a Vintage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, it, it's a goofy deck. Yeah, counterspell the whole package. It's like a aggro control fish style deck. Sticks a threat and then defends it to the end and uh, has a lot of card draw. Plays cards like a uh, Spire Golem and Spellsetter Sprite. Ninja the Deep Hours, another card, good card in that deck. Yeah, just, just you know, blue shenanigans. Yeah. Um, next on the list, we've got Boggles, which is pretty much the same as it is in Modern, except you're using different stuff to stick on your Boggles. Well. I think the biggest difference is that you have Armadillo Cloak and you do not have um, Unflinching Courage uh, because they, they do function slightly differently. You know, Armadillo Cloak's a triggered ability and Unflinching yeah. Courage is actual lifelink. So you could put lifelink on a creature with Armadillo Cloak and get double the life. Yeah. Um, just kind of like stick a big evasive, a uh, big hard to kill threat and just keep pumping it up until your opponent dies. But but most of those uh, enchantments are common. Uh Ethereal armor is a common. Rancor is a common. Good stuff. Yep. Um, then yeah, that does look fun. Yeah. Uh, there's Stompy. Um, just kind of lots of one-drop green creatures that are slightly more efficient than one mana per power and bash in. Right. Affectionately called the green burn deck. Uh, it's yeah. it's a it actually is has less in common with modern green decks. I would say, and by modern I mean like you know modern card design, and more in common with some of the old school slide decks. Um, that would use like ball lightning and jackal pup. Yeah, lots of kind of low to the ground creatures that are either evasive or you know carry buffs really well. And then you just you know you got stuff like hunger the howl pack that lets you put three plus one plus one counters on a creature if something died this turn. And vines of vastwood, bone splitter, like just and then as few lands as you can humanly run in this deck. I think the norm is generally like 16. Yeah. Uh, but it gets around it because it can play ca- cards like a Kyrian Ranger. Yeah. Um, can it not play Land Grant, or is, is that... It doesn't play Land Grant generally because... And I've had this discussion with a lot of people. Land Grant is free information for your opponent, and that's not nothing in a format with original Counterspell in it. Um, uh, true. It shows up every so often... Um, and when it does, it's usually in kind of jankier lists. Um, 
but it's not unheard of. Uh, next up, actually, this is Koldatha Boros. This is this is one Adrian loves. You can talk about it, buddy. That's what I'm playing in paper right now. Um, so it's a deck that uh, is the latest in a line that we call the Kitty deck, so named after their original creator, Turbo Kitty. And they rely on the synergy of um, Glint Hawk and Core Sky Fisher to bounce cards like Prophetic Prism and Liquor Wellspring to generate a uh, very incremental card advantage over the long course of the game. Uh, traditionally, these decks played blue for Mold Drifter, but now they have access to a downshifted card in may called Rally the Peasants, which is uh, white and two for all your creatures get plus two plus zero till end of turn, and then you can flash it back for red and two. And so it generates all these tokens from Kaldatha Rebirth, Battle Screech, um, plays cards like Thraven Inspector to help get that, some of that stuff online. And so it's drawing cards over the course of the whole game. Eventually, it'll get a critical mass of creatures and attack you for like a billion damage. Um, its backup plan is that it runs four bolts and four galvanic blasts. Yep. It's very good. Um, the first time I played against this, I I think it was like, I want to say like turn six, and it the sequence was like, Battle Screech on turn five, flash it back, and then next turn double rally the peasants and getting hit for fifteen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very explosive. Um, but it kind of plays the mid range plan, and it has enough burn in it that can be pointed at face that sometimes it just hits you with little incremental bits of damage. And then, um, is Affinity on that list? Because I want to talk yeah. about that one too. Yeah, Affinity's there. You can talk about your baby. Thank you. Okay, so Affinity is the deck I've sort of cut my teeth on in every format. That's when I started playing really competitive magic was Affinity in Modern. Um, Affinity in Modern plays more like an aggro deck uh, with with a lot of resiliency, right? It has cards like Arcbound Ravager, Cranial Plating, a whole passel of man lands, and, uh, you know, cards like they're kind of bad by themselves, like Signal Pest or Steel Overseer to help buff the team. Uh, Affinity in Popper is still has the some of the nut Affinity draws, but key cards like Mox Opal are not commons. Um, so it's relying on the actual affinity mechanic and the fact that you can run artifact lands. So it's playing cards like Frogmite and Mirror Enforcer. Uh, our new favorite card from Kaladesh is Gearseeker Serpent, you know, the 5-6 with affinity. But really, so it can play this very fast aggro, sort of uh, big beefy creatures game. Um, we have our own, we'll call you know, mini Tarmogoyf, affectionately referred to as is a carapace forger which is a 2-2 with metal craft gets plus two plus two which is you know child's play and when you're playing with artifact lands but the real the real uh winner is a card called atog which is an old card um it just got a functional reprint in the new set but it is one in a red for a one two and you can sacrifice an artifact to give him plus two plus two until end of turn it combos with fling, which is sacrifice a creature as an additional cost of fling, rather sacrifice a creature, deal damage equal to its power to target player or creature. And so if your opponent ever taps out and you have an ATOG on the board and a fling in your hand, you can, you know, drop all your artifacts into the ATOG, give make him a 20, 24 or whatever, and then fling him at your opponent's face. Oh, geez. <laughs> Pop- Popper is vicious, man. Yeah, uh, there, there, for every like dirtily slow deck, there's a lot of like very, very aggressive starts that come out of some of these aggro decks. And one of my best matches, someone tried to fling kill me, and then I fling killed him in response. It's it's great. Yeah, it's a it's it's a spicy little format. Um, and from there on, like we've got stuff like there's an elves deck that actually looks surprisingly similar to Legacy Elves. Um, we've got a burn deck. Um, 
There's even like a turbo fog list. One of the f- like fallen champions of the format is mono black control that just kind of casts stuff and then casts gray merchant and drains your opponent for a bunch of life. Um, but we're actually like in a period of like vast diversity in the metagame, which is really, really nice. Um, cause after, after the Peregrine Drake was downshifted, it, literally wound up taking up what was it at its peak it almost hit 30 percent. i think it was wow it was high and i mean we're granted just clarification we're talking about peregrine drake decks as a whole not like one specific 75 card list like that included drake tron um but they were all essentially the same deck which is that they relied on peregrine drake to generate infinite mana and then had some sort of kill that way and it got so bad that we got an emergency ban yeah oh well you know along with some other cards yeah. Uh, no, 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 not us. No, that was a, no. that was another ban. Sorry. No, no. We we just straight up got what is debatably either the first or the second emergency ban, depending on what definition of emergency ban you go off of, and whether or not that means you consider memory jar an emergency ban. Um, oh, was that banned in um popper as well? Uh, no, memory jar was banned in block constructed. I think it was. Oh, okay. Versus block before the set released. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, 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 no! It was before it became legal or something because someone played it at like an extended tournament and had some silly combo with Megrim where you just like turn two to your opponent. Well, that was the deck, right? The memory jar deck. Yeah, like I think that's the only other one that people consider a emergency ban. But we got one. We got one off schedule, so that was pretty neat. Yeah, I'm surprised that because I remember that because I remember people complaining all about it too. I mean, it. I mean, like I never played during that, but I guess it. I guess it did get that bad, huh? Peregrine Drake was bad for the format, even if you don't look at it from a numbers standpoint. If you look at it purely from a numbers, sorry, I, I'm confusing. If you look at it not from a metagame share standpoint, but you look at it from an attendance standpoint, which is traditionally when Wizards will drop an emergency ban, you know, that's the reason for the most recent standard one. That was the reason for Skull Clamp, um, is, is because people just weren't playing Popper. Like, you know, this is a bit anecdotal, but uh, we used to have maybe 500, 600 people in the leagues, and when Drake was at its high point, it was maybe like half of that. So... Yeah, oh, it, was, wow. it was really, really unhealthy. And to point it out, like we were podcasting through the entirety of this and we made the drastic mistake because prior to this, the combo deck that used a similar win con was used uh, Cloud of Fairies, which is two mana and it untaps two lands. And when we did our Eternal Masters set review, which was like our third episode or something, we were like, this seems fine. Five mana is way harder to hit than than uh two mana and then you know you think five mana because it's more it's got to be worse right no it's so much better yeah it it turns out when you're trying to like recoup the mana spent on a three mana spell when you recoup two of it instantly it just makes your deck so much better oh it's Um, so good oh we were so wrong yeah um (laughs) but but throughout the time it was legal i don't think we got through a single episode without having a discussion about it and that and like we at one point like consciously like wrote down in one of our show notes like do not talk about drake this week and we still did it it was just it was a bad time for the format well i guess it'd be kind of hard to with a card that format warping too yeah, yeah. I, I mean we've had some bad combos over the years because and the inception of the format um 
what was it? Empty the Warrens, Grape Shot, and Temporal Fissure were all legal, and there was some nutty Storm deck with them. Um, and those got banned pretty quickly. Although Temporal Fissure, I think, stayed around for a bit longer because that one just bounces permanence. But uh, Invigorate is also the one of the other big ones on the the, the quote unquote real ban list, and by that I mean what's banned on Moto. Yeah, uh, Invigorate just makes Infect way too good, and thankfully Infect is just like a fringe strategy now. Uh, also on there are the uh, Loki, the Cloud Post. Um, actually, just Cloud Post. Glimmer Post is still legal. It okay. doesn't really do much of anything, but you right, can it just play. Gives you life. Right. Okay. But um. So, oh, I'm sorry. What were oh, you gonna no, say? No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was gonna ask. Um, I'm looking at the metagame, just what they have in MTG Goldfish, and since Popper doesn't really have any fetch land, so to say, uh, I mean, Evolving Wilds and Terramorphic, they're legal, right? Yep, they we are. We also have a. Uh, Ash Barons now, which is out of the newest commander supplement. But yes, go go on. It's um how how do you think that affects the format without it being I, I guess with a lot without fetches? Do you think it's just more common to see more two color decks, or do you feel it's harder to try to add that third color? It so, makes uh brainstorm terrible. Yeah. Bra- brainstorm is secretly awful in this format and there are definitely people who disagree with us on that but i have never felt good with brainstorm in a list so so we we i would say that yes there is more tendency towards two color decks um one of the other very popular lands in the format are the karoo lands um basically any two or three color deck we playing some amount of those and the marasa tron list gets by playing four colors three colors three and a half uh, by playing Prophetic Prism, which is one of the premier uh, mana-fixing thingies yeah, in the format. Generally, like at the point you're seeing three-plus three, three plus colors, unless it's Affinity, you're generally seeing like ways to fetch out lands on creatures. For example, Sakura Tribe Elder, or you're seeing Prophetic Prism to fix your mana into other colors of mana. Or even uh, Unknown Shores and uh, Shimmering Shimmer. Grotto. Oh, okay. But it, it definitely, like, your your deck lists are generally going to be one color, maybe two color, three colors relatively rare. Things get goofy when Tron and Affinity get involved, just because they're playing a completely different game plan than most decks. Um, because on paper, Affinity is kind of a five-color deck, but in reality, it's five-color colorless. Um, so, I don't know. It's, the fetches, the biggest thing... I would say is just like your mana is a little slower. And even if we had the fetch lands, we don't have duels with uh land types on them. So, you know, they're still not even as good as they are in say modern or legacy. Okay. That's fair. Um, with how often does a new standard set affect the popper meta? A new standard set. Um, uh, pretty Pretty regularly, I think that we were a little surprised that there was nothing really out of Ether Revolt that we really liked, but Kaladesh saw several new uh, additions to the format in Gearseeker Serpent, Renegade Freighter. Um, oh, yeah, Renegade oh, Freighter is very legit in our format. Uh, Reckless, um, Reckless, really? Fire, Reckless Fireweaver. So, so, so Renegade Freighter manages to be big enough and scary enough and have trample that some decks just need to start digging for removal as soon as it hits the table. Um, again, the fact that it is really mainly something that you need instant speed removal to deal with does matter. 
And the fact that blue and black just, for the most part, don't have a way to answer an early freighter, um, in, unless they counter it on the way down or have an instant speed targeted removal spell, just makes it very, very strong in our format. It hasn't found a home yet, but I'm hoping it will. But um, I actually, I actually did selling for this. I went back and I tracked how many playables we've gotten in each set. And since about cons or so, we get about three to five cards per um, standard legal set that see play in a 5-0 list. So, and That's most interesting. Most of those are not major. Um, I excluded cons because cons brought us the uh, the gain lands, the the ETB tap duels that uh, gain you a life, and <clears> there's <throat> ten cards right there. But you know, I I don't know. Adrian, would you would you agree that like it's maybe what every like third or fourth standard legal set we get something that changes the format in a decently major way? Yeah, and I'll I'll hit you with some of the big hitters. Uh, Marasa, Pulse Marasa, uh, was is huge. Thraben Inspector, huge. Um, trying to think of another one. There's one more in there. Um, people have been playing around with Grapple with the past. Um, in graveyard based decks. Um. Actually. Oh, Thermo, Al- Thermo Alchemist. That's the card I'm thinking of. Oh, Th- yes. Th- Thermo Alchemist is now run all the burn lists. Ooh, I love that card. I like to. He- I like hearing that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it turns out that if it doesn't eat a removal spell really quickly, um, it's usually very good, especially since the deck used to play. Um, God, Adrian, what's the name of that card? The the Goblin Goblin Fireslinger. There you go. Which is just that without the untap clause on it. Yeah, it costs one more. Does it? Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah the 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 new one does. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, so yeah, I, we we actually get it with surprising regularity, and I don't know if that's just because when you when you get right down to it, there are more commons than anything else in the set, right? So we have the most shots, I guess, at getting something relevant to our format. Yeah. Okay. And what what determines a good card for Popper? Because you know when you look at cards for standard or modern there's obviously sort of a baseline whether it's going to be playable or not what what's the sort of baseline for that for popper um i'd i'd say you have to be able to react to certain cards with it um so i would say you know some anything that gets hit by bolt you have to remember that you know it's likely going to die you want most of your creatures to have some effect when you cast or cast them or they enter the battlefield or they have to be really cheap yeah, because cause there's a lot of removal flying around in this format. Um, I, I would say when I'm evaluating a card to see if it's playable and popper, I compare it to um, what is already around. And I, I, I guess that sounds kind of silly, but uh, for instance, we were talking about um, Torch Gauntlet. What is that the name of that card? Torch Gauntlet. Oh, the, the, the bad bone splitter. Yeah, well, yeah, well, there you go. We, that's the term I put it in. It's a bad bone splitter. Why? Because bone splitter does what it wants for half as much. So, you know, normally it tends to be like like that. Like, uh, how how good is it versus other things I could be doing that already exist? And is it worth it to no longer be playing these existing things? And also, is does it fill a role that we didn't really have before? And I think that's where stuff like Pulse of Marasa f- falls. Uh, for those unaware of these weird cards, uh, Pulse of Marasa is tuna green, instant, return target land or creature from your graveyard to your hand, and gain six life. And it's one of those cards where neither half of that is good enough as a card, but together it's 
just good enough and like six life is just a large enough chunk where it matters. Um, so it's definitely like unique effects always get a look and anything that, you know, compares favorably to establish like format staples definitely also gets looked at. Okay. No, that's, that's interesting. It sort of sounds similar to what we already kind of do for standard or modern. Um, I guess a lot of it is just knowing what the format is and being familiar with the metagame. It sounds like. Yeah. So um, we also talk a lot about the Delver tests. Like, can your, can your deck beat Delver? Uh, Delver is traditionally, uh, it's not right now, but it's traditionally the king of the format. And so if your deck can't beat Delver, um, you're probably, you probably need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Just if your opponent resolves a three, two on turn one, basically, can you beat that? And if you can't, like, you might do fine against the rest of the field, but like Delver is usually like eight to 12% of the metagame. So it's out of every run through the league, like you're almost, you're what? You're at like 60% odds to hit one Delver deck. So, you know, it's kind of like, do you want to take that coin flip? Um, but yeah, I definitely think like Delver is one we consider. Um, in terms of like new removal, can it kill Gurmag Angler? Yeah. Which is like, it's the biggest efficient body in the format. Um, is that popular in Popper? It was more popular a while ago. Um, when it came out was actually a bad time in Popper where Treasure Cruise was legal because that was common. (laughs) People played. I forgot about that one. Yep. Uh, people played decks that were basically just self mill, four copies of Delver Secrets and four copies of Gurmag Angler and four copies of Treasure Cruise. Because who needs like complicated lines when you can just, you know, ancestral into more five fives. Yeah. And Gurmag, Gurmag Angler is sort of the, uh, marquee big guy in the format. Um, he, you know, he, he sees play in other formats, so he's essentially our Tassiger, um, for lack of a better comparison, even though I know he sometimes sees play alongside that guy. Um, it's just, you know, a, a huge efficient beater and the decks that are playing Gurmag Angler are, are decks that have a lot of, uh, removal or counter magic anyway, and so they're filling their own graveyard. And so once they have the game on lock, they'll play that. And there's only one creature in the format uh, that no buff stands up to it, and that's um, what's that card called? Gear Seeker Serpent. Uh, sir, sir, I think you're forgetting Ulamog's Crusher. Yeah, and you know people like you like to whip out the old Ulamog's Crusher, but I mean it's not really a card that people play anymore. The Tron deck is not playing Ulamog's Crusher. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, it isn't is. that an eight costed card? Um, so. Some we're looking at this deck right now, and it's not. Some versions of the Morositron list that have been five owing still run one Crusher because it turns out Annihilator is a silly mechanic. I'm checking. I'm checking the top three here, Mike. It doesn't look like there's any data here to back up your claim. Um, number three <laughs> on MTG Goldfish by Nate K. I'm, I'm going there now. All right. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> um, but but Ulamog's Crusher is like I think the biggest thing that actually sees play, and it only ever sees play in Tron and Reanimator. And Reanimator is not very good because we oh, have really because we, we have one reanimation spell. Oh, true. Yeah, it's Exhum, and like Exhum is good. Like turn two Crusher with um, what is it? What's the name of that card, Adrian? Dragon's Breath? Oh, yeah, Dragon's Breath. Dragon's Breath is part of a cycle of auras that when they're in your graveyard, they attach to a creature with converted mana cost seven or more. Uh, Dragon's Breath gives haste. 
Yeah. Uh, so but there's like, uh, there's like dragon's wings, which gives flying. Dragon's teeth, which gives trample. It's a cycle. Like 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 the dream in that deck is turn one you faithless looting and turn two you and discarding dragon's fangs and uh, and uh, Ulamox Crusher. Crusher and then turn two you play a black land and you exhume a hasty eight eight with annihilator two and the game ends. Yeah, I, I, no, make him play it out. <laughs> oh I mean, wow yeah. yeah that does not sound very fun but it sounds fun if you're the one doing it though yeah and yeah i think at this point it's it's time to you know we've, we've talked about a wide variety of decks here like these are most of the decks we've talked about are you know great popper decks and are seeing play right now in five or five owing leagues so like there is a lot of deck diversity and if any of these decks appeal to you i would definitely recommend trying it out um, the highest barrier of entry are actually the sideboard cards because Pyroblast and Hydroblast are super expensive on Moto, maybe like twenty bucks for the playset. But you know, like it is a real format, it has a real meta game. These are real people. Well, I guess what I'm trying, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is we we have a real we have a lot of diversity too. And you know, we were talking earlier about how you know maybe our format lacks some of the flash of some of the rare formats, but we're talking turn two Ulamox Crusher here with haste, like. Like that's pretty pretty flashy. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a lot of a lot of our combo decks fall either either into like the glass cannon. I need to draw the absolute correct cards at the absolute correct time, or too good and getting banned. So there's definitely like if you go into like the world of like popper combo, there's some weird weird lists. Um, there's this deck called One Land Spy that's just no. Like, it's just no, what is it? It plays one land. It plays Balustrade Spy. It does something stupid where it takes cards from its graveyard and wins with them. I don't know how it works. Every you, time I you see know it, the deck, do you know the deck? Oops, all spells. Yes, yeah. it's imagine, kind of like imagine spells. that, but you don't have a win condition. <laughs> what? what, what, what? You, you, you do. Depending on which version of the deck you're playing, you're either using what is it? It's a like Crypt Incursion. It's like Shork Theft. No, 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 no. It's like some it's some spell that for like three mana you uh exile any number of creature cards from your graveyard from the game and it deals your opponent one for each creature card and the deck runs like twenty-four creatures. So in theory on turn one you can hit them for twenty-four, but if they've gained any life this game, you're just done. It's it's also just not very good because I've never seen a deck lose to itself more than that deck. Like you can combo off perfectly and still not win the game. It's weird. I- I mean, w- once you ditch everything into your bin, you're pretty much a lock to win. I will um, never concede. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those decks where like, I've had it explained to me so many times, and every time I look at it, I'm just like, I can feel myself falling asleep, and I don't get this. Like, I, just, <laughs> I just refuse to figure out how it works, because it works somehow, and it works infrequently. Well, but What if I told you, you you could play Oops All Spells, but you couldn't play Lab Maniac or Angel of Glory's Rise? You had to win... With Grey Merchant and somehow Grey Merchant and uh, that sounds terrible. Uh, what, what is it? The co- one of the combats is Grey. Yeah, Grey Merchant and Cavern Harpy with like infinite mana or something. Um, there's also one that wins by um, playing Ethereum Sculptor and Conjurer's Bauble and Disciple of the Vault and looping Conjurer's Bauble infinitely. But the the main objective of the deck is to balustrate Spy and dump their whole deck into their graveyard. Yeah, which, and is it, why, which is the spy and one land spy. It is a deck that plays land grant. Yes, it is a deck that plays land grant because it needs a land to actually play the game. 
Oh, geez. I mean, it sounds interesting, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, let's get into like freaky popper territory. I mean, that, that, that's about as weird as it gets. Like it's, it's just one of those decks where like I can look at like modern dredge and even though I don't play modern or particularly pay attention to it, I'm like, okay, I can get how all these cards work in unison. And then like, like honestly, I would compare one land spy more to like something like, um, four horsemen where it's like, okay, can you explain this to me again? Because I have no idea what's happening here. And then I still don't. And I continue to be ignorant. Oh, geez. If you guys could both choose a single uncommon from any set that could be reprinted as common for Popper, what would you choose? Adrian? Oh, you you first. I always forget my answer. Okay, I know mine off the top of my head immediately. It's Astral Slide. Yeah. Um, I I loved Astral Slide back in the day in Onslaught Block. Um, For those unfamiliar, two and a white. Uh, enchantment whenever you whenever a player cycles a card you may exile a per i think it's is it creature or permanent i forget it's target creature target creature return it to the battlefield at the end of turn and the big the big synergy here is the cycling lands which were are all legal and uh tilling tree folk which lets you when it enters the battlefield you return two lands from your graveyard to your hand so the idea here is you can cycle two lands during your turn exile the Tilling Tree Folk comes back. You get back both of your lands. And then the win con, I'm assuming, is like waiting until you can exile your opponent's creatures on your turn and then getting in for a bit of damage and then repeating. I don't know. I like the card. <laughs> you know what? Oh, geez. Great. I'm going to pick Ancient Tomb. Ancient Tomb? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Because why not? Well, what does that do? It's a. Uh... To oh, oh the, yeah, the Ancient Tomb. Okay. Yeah, for that, it's good. Yeah, add two to your mana pool, Ancient Tomb deals two damage to you. Okay. Yeah. I don't agree with that, but then again, I'm also I, picking selling selfishly. Well, so I got you know. to pick. You got yeah, your exactly. pick, and now I have my pick. And, and I feel like that perfectly exemplifies us. You pick selling that lets you cheat on mana. I pick selling that lets me make a dirtily value engine that never <laughs> wins. <laughs> Come with a one three eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I've done it. I've I've won with one ones before, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's impossible. Oh man! So how long have you guys been doing your podcast for? Um. Well, I think what like it's been over half a year. We're like on episode thirty seven, thirty eight, somewhere in there. It's been almost a year. We started in May. Yeah, we're we're pulling up on the year, and I guess that's a few months away. Everyone loves to ask us how it started, and it started because I asked Adrian, hey, you have a microphone, right? We should make a podcast. Yeah, I like telling my part of the story because I was like, all right, this guy I don't know is asking if I have a microphone up. I want to do a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And then he's like, all right, uh, I'll be at your house at such and such time. I'm like, all right, see you never, buddy. And then he's at my door, and I'm like, oh, I guess this is happening. We're plugging into the computer, and I'm like, well, I guess we're really doing this. Now Now I'm hitting record. And so why did you guys start a podcast? Is there a lack of popper podcasts out there? We are the on- the best one because we're the only one. Yep. Winners by default. Um, I think I think for me, a large part of it was like I knew Adrian from FNM and we had a lot of like weird discussions anyway about the format and also a lot of like very critical discussions trying to figure out like, you know, sideboarding and where the meta was headed. 
And I felt like, hey, we're having these discussions already. We could put these on the internet and then people could voice their opinions on our opinions. And that'd be awesome. Yeah, and it turns out the response was a lot better than we thought. Uh, Mike told me, he's like, if people don't tell us to kill ourselves, I'll be happy. But it was actually a lot warmer than that. Um, it was, in fact, positive and not neutral. So we have kept doing it, and here we are. And we now have like a very small but devoted fan base. Um, we did cover a big popper event that our LGS ran. Um, we streamed it. It was super fun i was super tired by the end of it but it was oh man at the end we were just sitting there grouchily sniping at each other on camera <laughs> yeah it was like we, we were not prepared I, for i kept being like i'm so hungry and finally i was like why don't you just go eat then mike we, we basically like <laughs> the night before we set up this rig which was like all right so we're gonna take this huge extension cable we're going to rig up a webcam tape it to the top of a tripod point it down use shop lights to light the area and like it's going to run off my laptop and hopefully it doesn't explode and then we got there and then we were like oh it's 10 hours it's 10 hours of this i will say i was perfectly fine yeah you you, you did much better than i did because i don't think i got a lot of sleep the night before he was so excited. like how I, long ago was this um what this was august of last year i think yeah, i think it was in august it's on our youtube channel somewhere yeah um and it was fun like it was, it was really cool and you know we got to like see a bunch of interesting decks and it was definitely a learning experience because i kind of expected it to be easier than it was and it definitely was like a lot more time and effort intensive than any any streamers for like events make it seem but again, we were like doing this like it was the two of us with minimal help on the tech side from the people at Pat's Games. Um, they helped us out with a bunch of stuff, but like it came down to like I'm trying to like quickly like transfer from one camera view to another while like not completely disrupting everything so that I can like run off and grab some deck lists so that we can reference them mid game and just like utter, utter chaos and really fun actually i don't know that does sound like fun it's um i've been toying with the idea uh I, you guys know kitchen table magic right yeah the um the forums they've been the guy lazaric wants to do a popper tournament just like online on cockatrice or um maybe x mage depending on what and i've been toying with the idea of when he does finally do it maybe streaming the thing and commentating it but then again i have no idea anything about popper though uh, but it sounds fun you should definitely do it but definitely read about the format first um yeah but yeah, I, it, but yeah I, I think you should you should go for it man uh, commentating is a lot of fun and it's going to be a lot easier if you do it over the computer than in real life um, because you'll just be able to use screen capture. And I wonder if it'll even be easier than on, on MTGO because you'll have access, so much more access to the player's uh, hands and stuff. Right, on Cockatrice? Can't you look at your opponent's hand? Um, I think if they allow you to give give you the option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Pop, Popper is like one of those formats that like once you get into it, there's a surprising amount of depth. And I think that's what I've always enjoyed about it is A, you know, it's dirt cheap, so, you know, I don't have to worry about, like, spending a bunch on it. Um, so I can, you know, spend a bunch of money on, like, foiling out my cube. Um, but, like, just just the, like, the depth of play on some of the decks in the format is really, really interesting to me. And 
I'm definitely like a control player at heart and I love like I love really difficult games with a lot of like decision trees where you know I can't be like oh well you know I lost this game because of the decision I made last turn it's no I lost this game because I made a bad decision 20 turns ago and it was because of hidden information so I don't know I really like the, the sort of like grindier side of the format and Adrian definitely likes yeah. the more aggro side of the format but I definitely have like I've got a lot of love for the format as a whole and I hope it grows. Well, what more can be done to get it growing in uh, your opinion? I mean, people starting stuff at their LGS like, you know, if if this is a format you're interested in or a format you already play and you also play Paper Magic, get people into it at your LGS. Like talk to your LGS and be like, "Hey, I really like this format. Maybe we could try firing it at FM." Yeah, because with the new, well, not they're not new now, but with the rules about being able to sanction any event, it should be relatively easy as long as your LGS wants to support it, um, which is how exactly how it happened at Pats is uh, Logan, our BFF, and uh, what is he? Is he the manager? He might, he's something. Um, he, the manager slash person who puts up with our crap slash guy who pulls all the cards we need. I just, I just think of him as a, <laughs> I just think of him as a friend. Um, yeah. Anyway, he, he was like, I really want to do this. And I actually was not there during all this. Uh, I came later. Um, but well, so, so, so actually, I don't think I've ever told you this. I was, there was, I was bored one day and I just gotten back into magic and I was like, Hey, is anyone locally interested in playing Popper? And I think he was the one who replied to it. And he was like, yeah, I can add it to the Pat's calendar. And I was there the first week and there were three people. And because of that, the event did not fire. And we basically sat around and played around Robin. And now there's like, what, like eight to 12 people on a good Friday. Yeah. We actually didn't fire yesterday just because people are training. I guess there's a PPTQ today and people wanted to play and practice for that. Gotcha. But I don't know. It's definitely one of those things that like a lot of people, what is it you always say, Adrian, that people would rather play magic than not play magic at a game store. Yeah, def- absolutely. People. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what I say. I, I mean, I, I played commander with someone last night while waiting for my draft to fire and I don't care for commander. Magic players would always rather play magic than not play magic. Oh, well, why is that? Why don't you care for a commander? Um, I, Okay, A, I have a lot of qualms with how they handle the ban list, but I'm also not really, like, as big a fan of... I think most of it comes down to, like, bad personal experiences with people in Commander, and it's one of those things where I always tell people, when they ask me, why don't you like Commander? It's like, you know, if I had a bunch of friends who I got along with really well and I knew would never take anything personally whatsoever... I might be able to play commander. I, I actually don't like commander. Either. I don't like multiplayer magic. To me, magic is two men enter one or two people enter rather one, one people leave <laughs> kind, of, kind of game, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, and also like commander, like, I, I don't know. I definitely have issues with like how the ban list is maintained because there's a lot of contradictory stuff in it. Like, Oh, you know, we want people to be less reliant on tutors and it's like, yeah, but you haven't actually banned any of them. So, I don't know what you want out of your format. Um, I, I can see that. Um, Commander to me is always a pretty casual format, and it's sort of the format I play while, like you said, waiting for a draft or waiting for something official to start. Um, yeah, and I think I think another part that didn't help is that the Austin Popper community, which you know they're on their own stuff, but Austin has a very like I don't want to come off like awfully about this, but like. 
it's a pretty wealthy oh, magic on. community. Like there are people who play vintage in paper, owning all the cards. Damn. And like, like oh, Mike, when you're the best. Yeah, like it's it's one of those things where like, yeah, sure, go ahead. But like people showing up like to commander events at F and M with like decks they've poured five thousand bucks into and they get really, really upset about like my rules minutia. I've just had like I had enough bad experiences with that sort of stuff where I'm like, eh, you know what? Like maybe with like friends who I trust, but never with strangers. Except for last night where I was sitting around and played commander against someone. And it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Because I was do- I, I was done with work on Friday, so you know I was just good to go. Whatever. Yeah, one of the things that bothers me about Commander, I don't know if it's the same in your area, but we have a uh, we have people that play nothing but Commander, and one thing that always irritates me is they loosely understand like the stack. For instance, they just think, or, or going into combat, they just think, okay, go to combat attack, uh, you take fifteen damage, and that happens way more than it, I ever see it in like standard or modern F and M's. I, I also think like there is kind of always that difficulty of like I don't want to play a format where I have to call over a level two judge because you know I've read the complete like tournament rules I have a really good grasp on the rules I've definitely played in commander games where it's just like I don't actually know what happens here at all like I just don't get it I don't know how these cards interact and uh I need an adult. <laughs> so like I, I've come across that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, and there's definitely like weird niche situations like that in any format where it's two effects interacting in a weird way. But I don't know. Commander is not my cup of tea, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, I can respect and understand why people like it. It's just never going to quite be my thing. Cause like there are plenty of people who don't understand or like popper and, you know what? That's well. No, that's they're wrong. <laughs> Again, a key point on where we differ in. I don't care what other people do with their lives because they're not me. But you know, we, we've gotten like wildly off topic. I don't know. I wound up on commander. I think. I think I casually miss. Uh, casually Mark spoke casual. ill. Spoke ill about it. Um, and you're gonna you're gonna invoke the wrath of my three listeners now because they're all huge commander players. Oh commander God. players. What have you, what have you done? <laughs> commander players. I love you. <laughs> Every way, shape, and form. And I wish no, you, you know fine. the best. It's fine. It's um. <laughs> no, it's like I said. I I enjoyed as a casual format, but um, with your guys' podcast, you guys have been doing it for about six months now. And where do you guys want to go with it? Where are you trying to, where do you see yourselves with it? I want someone going to pay forward. Me. I just straight up want a sponsorship. Like, I don't know. Like I already get enough out of the podcast just in terms of, you know, viewer interaction as well as, you know, the fact that it makes me think about popper as a format in a very much more analytical way that, that part of that, like for me, that's fulfilled. I would just like to be able to be like, Hey, you know, this thing I do every weekend for an hour and then edit for an hour and then upload actually has some tangible return. But I don't know. Like that sounds really terrible on my part, but (laughs) well, no, that's understandable. I mean, have you guys tried looking for sponsors or 
not really that hard. Um, we're, I just moved. We're, short, we're sponsored in part by Pat's, definitely. Yeah, we, we definitely get preferential treatment at our LGS, but, you know, that's... I don't know. I do now. Yeah. I'll be back <laughs> sooner or later. Yeah. Um, um, really, the coolest thing that ever happened... Uh, well, well, two things, really. One of them is cool for the heart, and one of them is cool because I like getting cool things in the mail. The first is someone told Mike that they learned English to listen to our podcast. And if that's not, like, the most... Awesome. That was that was actually the wildest thing that has happened to me ever, pretty much. Just someone saying, I'm learning a new language to listen to you talk for an hour about nothing. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, I've had a listener from Argentina get a hold of me uh, one time just to say, you know, they like to listen to my podcast. And that just sort of weirds me out in a sense of you're all the way over in Argentina. And you're listening to me. What? But to have someone just listen to you guys or learn English to understand you, that's really awesome. And what was the other one, Adrian? Uh, we got sent deck boxes by Aaron Kane deck boxes, and they are customized with our logo, and it's really cool. And yeah, well, that's cool. The, the greedy me likes that a little better, but the sentimental me thinks the English language thing is really cool. So, you know, they're both cool. Now, now, now I just feel like a mind-boggling dick for being like, pay me. Because yeah, the the deck boxes are really cool. Like I, oh, I, cool. I want to get paid. I I have mine and I try to use it at every possible instance because it was he like out of the blue. He's just like he he followed us really early into our podcast. And I remember being like, oh yeah, he's the dude who does those custom deck boxes. That's pretty cool. Then out of the blue, we get an email that says, I made a deck box for you, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay. And then I looked, and he was like, yeah, no, I made like deck boxes for a bunch of content producers i like and we looked and it's like all these other people who have like hundreds of thousands of followers and then it's us with like five uh, no not even 500 we got like 300 people following us on youtube and i was like oh that's pretty cool yeah that is awesome yeah it's um i mean getting paid that's that's fine if there's ways to make money off of it definitely do it it's um something i'm always looking more into to see you know you guys are spending time doing this so why not you know i mean we do it for the love of the game but you know it would be nice to see some level of returns on it we're definitely thinking about like trying to get patreon together we just need to sort some stuff out i need to finish unpacking like half of my life from boxes so jeez, yeah it's uh we've got we've got like a guest room that is just full to the brim with boxes <laughs> of crap and i've gotten like the essential things like i i had to like wade through boxes to figure out where my recording equipment was for today so i didn't have to like treat listeners to echo room but once we get that figured out we're probably going to be on patreon so you know if fans of the show are listening you can just give us money and we'll do things for you on camera probably Sounds good to me. <laughs> Making it sound a lot sexier than it probably will be. It, yeah, no, it's it's not going to be sexy at all. Like you know, unless unless you're into like barbarian-looking men and Adrian, like if that's your cup of tea, someone's got to be into that. I'm more of a wizard. I I, I, mean, I mean, someone married me, so you know, <laughs> there's at least one person. Uh, well, you got an audience at least. Yeah, but but yeah, I, th- I think like in general, the, the most rewarding thing and the thing that I want to hopefully continue on is 
just like having a fan base that like interacts with us in a very enjoyable way. Like, I love that like people come to us with deck lists and they're like, what do you think of this? And it's kind of cool. Like, even though we definitely aren't sometimes to be considered experts. And I will admit, like there's definitely been times where people have thought that I know much more about this format than I do. And it's still kind of cool. Like, I don't know. And definitely like doing the streaming thing was a blast. And we're trying to do that more probably with Mitgo, but that's dependent on me actually buying a PC and playing Mitgo more. But you know, we're going to figure something out. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm, I'm trying to get back into streaming. Um, I'm thinking about maybe doing a magic stream like one time a month, maybe just for a couple hours. Cause I'm, usually pretty busy with my job and family and it's just i i can't stream like how i used to it's just not enough hours in the day the podcast is perfect because i can do it one night and then the next night edit it and then get it uploaded and all that right oh man you 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 even edit it i like just listen through it at double speed to make sure no one no one said any curse words and you know put our put our intro and outro music and ship it well, by edit, I mean just put it together and, you know, <laughs> just get it up there. Get, get it uploaded, you know, make sure that it populates to iTunes correctly, all that good stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And so, um, I think you guys mentioned this before. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, what was your first magic set you guys started off with? Adrian? Portal. Portal. Okay. The intro set from a long time ago. Um, I, I started between Mercadian Masks and Nemesis. And I looked at one of the worst blocks in the history of magic and said, yeah, this is sweet. Hey, I enjoyed Mercadian Mask. I, I have fond memories of that as a kid. I didn't know any better because I started in Urza's, but, you know, so, I didn't. So, so I definitely like remember. Because as a kid, you know, when my birthday came around, I would ask friends and family for magic cards. And I was a summer kid, so I always got third sets. So my first, like, birthday where people gave me magic cards was Prophecy. And I've got a deep soft spot for it, even though it is a terrible set. Um, but, yeah, I definitely, like, I have fond memories of it, but it, it's not a good block looking back on it. Like, Masks Oh, it's is, not. Masks block is the most dreadful like draft experience because it's just like, all right, masks. Cool. We've got some interesting stuff there. Nemesis. Okay. Th there's some neat cards in there. Prophecy. God, I just opened 15 cards that are terrible. <laughs> like that have no frog. relation. Like, like no relation to anything else. Spelljack's judgment. No, yeah, like I, like I think the only thing out of that set that's worth any money at this point is uh, Avatar of Woe, and that's because of Commander. Hey, hey, Smallfrog yeah. is worth money on Moto. I was, oh yeah, that's right, because the Moto economy is based on how many people draft it. That's right, and as I said, Masks Block is horrible. So, but have you guys ever drafted Alpha before, just for shits and giggles? I've I've run it through it on the Beastier Simulator. Yeah, I imagine that's terrible because there were basically oh, this pack. Oh yeah, it, it's really bad. Uh, me and a couple of friends uh, drafted Alpha like a couple years ago, just online, like Untapped.in or something, one of those. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, really, really bad. And surprisingly, Hurricane is a really good in that format. Oh, because that to... hits players, right? Um, does it? Or it at least kills flyers. Yeah, it kills flyers. I just remember one of my friends just built this combo deck of making all my creatures fly and then casting Hurricane just that, to kill them. That seems right. wonderful. I've got, on, <laughs> I've got it up on Bestia. We have to do this sometime. Maybe again. And is Plague Rats the pick? <laughs> I we did not see a single power nine at all during the draft too, so that was kind of sad. Don't even get like the 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 pseudo enjoyment out of pretending to draft power. You just like play through some of the worst creatures and like some of the best spells. So, oh, but you know what? I'm looking at my pack. Orcish Oriflam has the wrong mana cost, right? Isn't it more expensive oh, yeah. than one R? Ooh, taking that. <laughs> like, like I feel, I feel like the draft strategy there just has to be like, you know, pick up a couple of white cards and hope that Sarah Angel gets cracked and you get it. Like, I feel like that's just got to be the the number one pick in the entire format. But yeah, I've played through some bad draft formats. Although I will go to my grave defending uh, Kamigawa Block as actually good. As a draft format? As a draft format, if no one opens Umazawa's GT, it is a good format. And that's the yeah. only stipulation. No, I've never drafted that one. I know I came back in the game during Kamigawa Ravnica, but I never drafted it. I didn't start drafting until uh, Return to Ravnica came out because I, I'd always been, I always thought it was, eh, it's kind of boring. It's lame. And it was always really interested in, you know, standard or, block or whatever it was at the time. Yeah, I'm I'm a big proponent of cube. Um and that's mainly because, you know, I have like I I work as a front-end developer and web designer and so I like I'm a sorry. lot. Of, I like eh, it's not that bad. I mean, do you, do you deal with SharePoint at all? No, I do not. Oh, okay. Then no, you're good then. Yeah, I'm I'm building websites from the the ground up and just like muscling through them and I definitely like analytics a lot as a result of it being part of my job so cube definitely appeals to me as someone who loves spreadsheets and hates having free time but i i love limited i know adrian has different feelings on it but i know i love draft and sealed now um never got that into cube maybe because i've never really you know had a group of friends or anything that has a cube so, I mean, I understand what it does and what it is. It's just I've never really gotten into it. It's fine. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I have my cube. I've put, you know, a lot of time and effort into it, and it's fun. Like, it's definitely one of those things where you do need a group of people who can reliably say, yes, I will come over and draft with you. It's a passion project. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 definitely the nice the nice old car that you restore and then you get to drive it every now and then, but it's really mostly for show. But I yeah. don't know. I, I definitely I enjoy limited quite a bit. Like I, I relish my pre-releases. Oh, did you guys go to Aether Revolt pre-release? I did not. I did. I opened Red White Vehicles the deck, and I played that. really. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I cracked what was it? Uh, Fleet Wheel Cruiser, Untethered Express. Um, Jesus. Oval Chase Dragster, both of the red white build around uncommons, and then it didn't matter. 
I just put other cards in till I hit 23 playables. And you didn't lose a game, right? Um, I dropped a couple games against the guy who went in black green and had way, way more removal than was actually necessary. And yeah. Oh, I also opened heart of Kieran. That was the other one. Oh just, my gosh. Just for the rubbins. <laughs> like, Jeez. Yeah, no, it was, it was the funny thing is I'm not good with aggro and I don't like playing it. So it was like, well, this is sweet. And like, I won a bunch of games, but like, I didn't really enjoy this deck. It was cool. It was good. But like, I, w- I would have loved to open some sweet pool with like the black white stuff with like the flickering and all that good stuff. That, that would have been the dream. Yeah, my pool, uh, I didn't pull anything good as far as like money wise, but, um, some of the rares I got were key to the city, life crafters, bestiary, uh, Oh, what else? I had Metalwork Colossus. Oh, so nice. just some good stuff. Yeah, j- just it was black green, and um, just no one had any. I went, I I got third place. I lost one game against like a mirror match kind of, um, and no one could really answer key to the city when I had it out. That's the weird one where you like pitch cards and. It draws you cards and makes things unblockable or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember doing a lot of stuff. I remember Saffron Olive putting it in a deck that was weird and janky, and that's about all I can remember about it. I I admittedly have, like, extreme tunnel vision for anything over Uncommon, because my cube is a peasant cube, so I have to care about Uncommons for that. And I play Popper, so I have to care about Commons. But everything above that, I'm just like, "Uh, it does things. And if I play with it, I remember it a little bit better, but that's about it. I know what you mean. It's, um, even cards that I know I should know, I completely forget. It's, I've just got terrible memory for everything. Like if it's a deck that I'm playing, of course I know all the cards for it, but you know, just everything else. I just, yeah, I have a bad memory. I even forget my own kids' names. (laughs) That's normal. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, all right. I don't think I have any more questions. Oh, here, here's another question here. Uh, what do you guys like to do outside of magic? There's stuff you can do outside of magic. (laughs) Um, uh, just, we're both actually really big, uh, anime fans. I mean, don't, don't speak for both of us on that one. Oh, I will. You watched you. He got me onto JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and if that doesn't scream anime fan, I don't know what will. That, that, that's about the one anime I that think, I actually well, watch. I think once over dinner, you said Miyazaki's the greatest filmmaker who ever lived. So, I I distinctly did not say that, and I have very strong opinions on film, which is one of my hobbies. I really like going to see movies that are not anime. Um, apparently, I, I like <laughs> I like Miyazaki. I'm not gonna like argue the point on him as one of the better animated directors of all time. But, but you have an opinion about it. I do I do have an opinion about it, which means I've seen enough of his films that apparently I'm just a huge anime nerd. I mean, um, what it comes I, down to. I, I really like film. Um, I watch a lot of films. I went to art school, so I have a lot of very pretentious opinions on yeah, films. Why don't you tell us your name of your favorite movie? It's yeah, what whole, is your favorite movie? It's The Holy Mountain. You should go see it, folks. If you're a kid, don't. It's weird. And you're not going to understand it. Mountain. I've never heard of that. That's because you're not into weird esoteric BS. The Holy Mountain is 
a weird film about like um it's actually a really good movie. I I can't even like explain it. Like I don't I don't want to make it make me the weird one. If you're into like film and especially like weird artistic expressions via film, it's really good. You should check it out. It's yeah, I'm looking strange. at the movie poster right now. I don't even know what's going on. It actually, in all honesty, is a really good movie. I just like to give Mike a hard time. <laughs> I, I guarantee you whatever poster you're looking at, because there were like 10 of them for different releases, the poster is giving you no idea what the movie is about, and I can't summarize it well. Um, yeah, but- it's a poster of two naked ladies and a guy's like pushing their head towards a flaming heart yep. or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that that. That that happens within like the first five minutes of the film and has no bearing on the rest of it. Um, but but I I like film and I like <laughs> cooking. Like I'm I'm anyone who's met me in person, I am like a big dude. I am very tall and I'm also like pretty chubby and I really really enjoy food. Um, so I definitely like Adrian will tell you I always cook for people when they come over. Like, yeah, he's I insist very very good cook. Oh shit! That's also, what about you, Adrian? Just anime mainly, or uh, I mean, you know me. Uh, uh, I mean, I have other interests too. I'm a big Final Fantasy person. Um, play a lot of those games. Um, I played a lot of Age of Empires growing up, so I still play that. Uh, new expansion just came out. Games I've been playing that game since I was nine. New expansions, no big deal. Um, <laughs> we, we we both play a lot of board games as well. Like yeah, I would, we. we, we Generally, like any sort of strategy game is pretty good. I used to be really into chess. Um, you see, I, this is a whole other podcast episode. I, w- I would love to talk for an hour about why I think chess is a deeply flawed game. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. It's one of those things where there are finite numbers of solutions to the problem versus magic, which is not infinite, but functionally such a high number that it's improbable to reach the same board state more than once. Oh, interesting. I guess I've never really thought that deep about it. I'm, I haven't played chess in years and years. I mean, I remember playing it a lot as a kid, but well, it also not really just, past that. It also just holds this cultural vantage that maybe it shouldn't, you know? Oh, oh yeah, no. The the be- some of the best people I've ever seen play chess are the dudes who sit in like public parks with a chess board, and you can play them for a dollar. Like a bunch of those guys like have a level of strategy within the game and a strategy in interpersonal relation that is just on a whole nother level. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird. Like chess was definitely like one of the first like board games I, or first games that I got seriously into. And now looking back on it, I'm like, I still appreciate it, but from a game design perspective, it's only so interesting. Okay. Yeah, I guess that does sound like a whole nother podcast just going on about that. Um, Adrian, have you played the latest Final Fantasy 15? Yes, I am playing 15. Uh, not as we speak, but um, I just logged in. I got the, the new items from the holiday thing, and I promptly put Noctis into a mariachi outfit. Oh, sweet. Oh, I need to go download that. Yeah. Have you beat it? Beat the game yet? I have not. I take my. I take a long time to play a game. Um, I recently finished Final Fantasy X, uh, 100% on PlayStation 4, and it took me uh, over a year because I got so frustrated with the mini games. What the Lightning one? I hate the Lightning one. That's 13, which I have a lot of very strong opinions about. I actually like it a lot. Oh, oh, no, 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 not 13. I'm talking about the Lightning mini oh. game where you have to dodge the Lightning. 
Yes, it's so bad. Um, I ended up doing about 120 because I was trying to count. I thought for sure the achievement would pop up like as soon as I had finished, but I thought I hadn't gotten it. And I went, went back to the chest. And I was like, oh, the chest is here. It's like, congratulations. And I was like, oh my God, my life has meaning again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I just want to thank you guys for coming on here and um, talking some popper with me. Uh, it really made me understand it a lot more better and it does sound pretty fun. And it's, um, I think, especially to my audience, you've helped describe it pretty, pretty well. Uh, before we go, do you guys ha- want to plug anything again before we go? Like Twitter, YouTube, podcasts, where you can find it and all that? Uh, we're, we're pretty much on most relevant social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube, where we mirror our episodes and also occasionally have gameplay stuff. Um, we're on Twitter. Um, we have a website, colorcommentary.com. Commentary is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-T-A-R-Y. It was totally an accident. <laughs> Man, this is one of those things. Like, I've had so many people who have been listening to the show for like months all of a sudden like message me and be like, I just got it. It's a pun. And I was like, the other options here are you think I can't spell, you can't spell, or you just think I'm an idiot. So, you know. <laughs> But yes, it is, no, a it, it, it is a nice little, nice little pun. I, I noticed that. I like it. Um, but apart from that, like, I don't know, Adrian, is there anything you want to plug? I uh, know. I think you covered it all. Um, I got special thanks to Pat's, but. Oh yeah. Uh, if you're ever. So thank, thank you so much for having us. I'm oh, sorry, but thank you so much for having us on the show. ZB. Like we really appreciate it. We really like guest guest starring. So it means a lot to us. Yeah. This is our second guest collaboration with anyone else. And it's pretty neat. Yeah, no, you guys were first on my mind because, like I said, one of my patrons said do an episode about Popper, and I'm like, oh, crap. I don't know anything <laughs> about this. Well, like, it, at least you got someone to help out with it. Yeah, definitely. No, and I appreciate it. Thank you guys a lot for coming on, and like I said, I appreciate it. And, yeah, like, like I said, you guys can find them on – you guys are on iTunes, right? Are you on any other podcast service? We are on iTunes. We are on Google Play Music, which no one has ever subscribed to us on. Um, and we're on Stitcher, I believe. Okay, great. All right, guys. Well, like I said, thanks again for coming on and have a great night. All right. Thank you.